Welcome to Thrive Community Church. Hey, I'm so glad we get to connect here on Passover Sunday. This is a unique Sunday. This is going to be known for generations to come. This is the Sunday where everyone is carrying their hand sanitizer if they have it. They probably have some sort of gloves in their pocket or somewhere nearby. And they may actually be wearing one of these awesome, unique masks. Isn't that amazing? Don't you want one of these right here? Well, uh, it won't be long. We're likely to all be wearing those as we go out of our homes and we go and travel about. But you know what? It is okay and it is worth it if we are staying protected and protecting those who are more likely to get sick than you and I in Jesus name. Well, while you're here, check in on Facebook as you get settled in on the couch or on the bar stool or you grab your coffee or your biscuit, whatever it is that you're grabbing right now. Check in on Facebook. Also, say hi to us down in the comments section. Let us know you're here. Let us know where you're at, where you're coming from, how you heard about Thrive Community Church. If you've never been to Thrive Community Church, uh, now it's Thrive Online. But also join us and uh, give us some amens. During this, if, if anything speaks through, to you throughout, we have a team of people that are wanting to communicate with you. Give us some amens and some hallelujahs or I don't care, thumbs down, whatever you want to do. Just talk and get, get connected, engage a little bit. Or, or I want to invite you to start a watch party on Facebook today or you can go back throughout the week and start a watch party. Invite your friends that are online and say, hey, come join me as we watch this resurrection weekend, Passover Sunday, some call it Easter worship experience. And so today we're talking about making history with God. That's our sermon series that we're in, making history with God. And what does that mean? What does that mean to make history with God? What is it, does it mean that we need to read a little bit more about God? Does it mean we need to know a little bit more of his testimonies? Does it mean that I need to hear someone else's testimonies about what God is doing in their life? In fact, What's the big deal about Passover anyway? I've, I've noticed this year more than ever, this theme during this season hasn't really been Easter, hasn't even really been Resurrection Weekend. It's been Passover. A lot of people have been talking about specifically Passover this year. I've heard it, I've heard it this year more than ever over my last 41 years. But we're going to talk about that because not everybody understands exactly what the Passover is and why the Passover is so important for you and I and the rest of this world. And so what's the big deal? First, we're going to answer, we're going to answer a few questions. We got four to answer today. So what is Passover? That's where we start. What is Passover? And we find that in Exodus 12, we'll start in verse 3 for the sake of time. But it says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father. A lamb, and I'm emphasizing letters and words rather in blue, a lamb for a household. Now, verse, nine, verse 4 says, and if the, the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's needs. It's interesting that it states that to each man's needs. You shall make your count for the lamb. Now, so this lamb technically would suffice for the needs of everyone involved. I want you to see, I want you to catch that, okay? It's going to be very important towards the end of this message. But verse 5 says, your lamb shall be without blemish, 
also very important, what you're going to find is these are very specific requirements that are pointing to something that we're leading towards, we're leading you towards, is very important about Passover, without blemish. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now verse 6 says this, Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. So for 10 days, you go and grab that lamb, you keep it, you tend to it really well for the next four days on the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Now that's from the 14th into the 15th. Between the day of the 14th and day, the, the, through the night of the 15th, you shall kill that lamb or that goat. Verse 7, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts, Two doorposts and the lintel, if this was your door, doorpost, doorpost, and the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Verse 8 says, Then they shall eat of the eat the flesh on that night, between the 14th and 15th, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Now, bitter herbs is very important because that's actually hyssop. There was a, a branch of hyssop. They would take hyssop and eat it with that. So Let's look at Exodus 12, 10, verse 10 and 11. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Listen, you can eat all night, have a great time eating at night, but don't let any of it last until the morning because there are other details, other things that we need to do to the, to the morning, from the, in the next morning. Now, next verse. And, the, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. This is, this is humorous to me, so you have to picture this. He's saying, this is God saying, you need to sit down and eat it. You, in our terms, it would say, go ahead and have your running shoes on because you need, to, you need to get busy after this. You're going to need those running shoes. And go ahead and keep your staff out because I don't want you to not be able to get out and start running through the mountains with your staff. I want you to be able to have that with you because you're, you're going to have to get busy. Now, actually, the, the other translations say, gird up your loins. That, that kind of gets you sitting around uncomfortable with your loins girded up. So it says, this is the Lord's Passover. And so interesting that he says for us to be ready, to get busy, to get down to work, to stay nimble. Now, this exodus, this, this, this was for the Passover that was actually going to remove the people of God, God's people, out of the bondage of Egypt, out from under the, the power and the in slavery of Pharaoh. And so he's saying, listen, you eat this meal, but you better get ready to go because tomorrow there's going to be a new day and we're going to get busy. Here's what, here's what it moves on to. Look at the next verse. It says 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Now we see right there he is executing judgment because I am the Lord, but he's going to pass through the land. Verse 13, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike 
the land of Egypt. Now we should hear a lot of amens. I want to see some amens in that comment section right there because this is important for us. And I'm going to show you how this, even to this day in the New Testament, the New Covenant, this actually works for you and I. I'm going to show you, wrap this around and show you all of the symbolism that is in this. And so uh, then number two, when is the Passover? All right, we talked about what is the Passover, but when is the Passover? Now, he said in the 10th of this month, that month would have been Aviv. Now, that's the Hebrew calendar, the, the, the actually ecclesiastical calendar that it is called. It's our March or April. March or April. That's why sometimes your Easter falls on March, in March, and sometimes it's in April, and you'll hear, you'll hear people say, e Easter sure is late this year. Well, it's all dependent upon the, the ecclesiastical, but now it's called the Hebrew or Jewish calendar. So Aviv, which is actually technically, this would be the first year of the Jewish, uh, first month of the Jewish year. They now call this month Nisan. Nisan. And so it was the 10th day of Nisan, or previously at this time, Aviv, the 10th day leading unto the 14th day. Now, this gets a little bit, a little bit stretchy and confusing because it would begin on the 10th day. Now, for us, the 9th of April is the 15th day. So that would be the day that they would eat through the night leading up into the 15th. The 10th was the 10th of where they would start in the ecclesiastical calendar was the, is the 4th of April for us this year, this year. Now, the Passover during Aviv or Nisan on the 4th, the 4th of Nisan, actually on the 8th of April, began on the 8th of April. So the 10th, start on the 10th, bring in that goat. That was our April 4th. The 14th of Nisan, that was our April 10th. I'm sorry, April 8th, rather. It began, though, going into the 15th would begin the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, now these are all actual things that took place from the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but they're also all shadow types and symbols that point to a very specific purpose, which we'll discover as we go. Now we practice, we practice this on a Sunday. That's why we go to church on Sunday, the Easter Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday. It's Passover Sunday uh, right now as we watch this. And so uh, that's where we get all of this and that's where it comes from. So it just happened, it, to, it just happened that the year the, that Jesus went to the cross and died for us, it literally took place, that's why on Good Friday, that's why it's called Good Friday, and he was resurrected. He was, he was in the grave and then resurrected on that Sunday, and then going into Monday was actually a Sabbath would begin. So the Passover would take place, and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread would begin, and it would begin with a Sabbath. It would last seven or eight days. It was a festival, a very important festival, one of God's festivals. That's why, that's where we get that. That's why the Jews celebrate that. That's why it was so important that they, they, that Jesus would come at that specific time to be, uh, to be sacrificed for yours and mine sins. So uh, it just so happened that that took place. And when the feast of unleavened bread uh, was seven or eight days, it would start with the Sabbath and it would end with the Sabbath. And Nisan is also significant because it also is a time 
of new beginnings. And this is very important for us because I believe we're actually going into the season of new beginnings. You're going to see a lot of new beginnings. And it's also a time where kings in the, later in the Old Testament would go out to war. It's a time of planting. It was a time where the people would bring in what is called a first fruits offering as well. It's this because it's the first fruit. It would be barley. They would, then wheat would be the next produce that would, be, uh, that, would, that would come to harvest. So barley would be brought in by the people. They would bring it in to God and they would say, I know that you are going to bless us bountifully in the next, in the season to come. So as a first fruit offering, showing our trust and our faith in you, we are bringing in the first fruit of our produce to give you honor and to give you respect and to give you the glory that you deserve. So it would be a time to bring in the first fruits right now. And then it's a time of building. In Nehemiah, Nisan, the month of Nisan, which is the first of the year. Also, this is when Nehemiah, he got approval from his, the king of Persia, who actually, they had defeated Babylon. Persia was, had Jew, the Jews enslaved in this time. And Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king. The king gave Nehemiah the resources and the rite of passage to go back and rebuild to restore Jerusalem. That was this month right here. And then it's also a time of deliverance. It's a time of deliverance. And you're going to see many of your family members begin to get delivered through this season. Maybe yourself are going to find some new deliverance in your own life. God delivered Egypt in this month, this time of the year, almost 3,500 years ago. Uh, it's also a time where people are being delivered. They were de God's people were delivered from the deception of Haman. You find this in the book of Esther. Uh, in Esther, you don't see God spoken about. But what you do see is God using, and in that day it was even more amazing because the women were not honored on any level. But God chose to use Esther to deliver God's people out of the hands of Haman, who is set out also to destroy all of the Jews in this day. And then again, it's a time of deliverance that we are representing, we are honoring today. It's a time where God would bring out and save his own son and he would deliver you and I even from that point through his own son. So God will also begin to deliver even more throughout this next 40 days. And so I want to encourage you to be more mindful of what God is doing rather than the things that are taking place on earth. The things that are taking, on, taking place around you in the media and the social media and the fears and the, and the things that, that you may be fearful of and got you wearing gloves everywhere you go and, and a mask and, and putting san sanitizer on. Now that, that doesn't mean don't be careful. Doesn't mean don't be wise. But don't let these things paralyze you whenever we have a God that has delivered and done so many things throughout this very month over the generations. Again, we're talking about making history with God. And then it goes to who is Passover? Who is Passover? That's number three. Who is Passover. I'm going to go to John 12, 23, and it says this, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Notice glorified. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now, do you know who that grain of wheat is? That grain of wheat is you. That grain of wheat is me. The grain of wheat in this time was Jesus. Verse 25 says, He who loves his life, that actually in the Greek is suke, means he who loves his soul will lose it. That means if, you, if you're so in love with the things that, of this world and this, the things that are in your heart that control your mind and your will and emotions and it has anything to do with this, this temporal world, it's going to hurt. And he who hates his life, that really means loves less, his soul in this world will keep it for eternal life. Here's what he's saying. He who loves his life you're going to lose it, and it's going to hurt. If you're so in love with your soul, and you're, you're so led by your soul, and your own wants, and your own desires, it's going to hurt. But if you love your soul less than, than you love the, the God of this world, meaning Jesus, if you love Him, your soul, less than you love Jesus, you're going to keep it. You're going to keep your life, meaning you're not going to die. Those in Christ will continue through eternity. Why? Because they're spirit beings and they're spirit led and they're no longer soul led. It says, going to the next one, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my father will honor him. Now, I, I don't know about you. I would love to have the honor of making it to heaven. When he says, my father will honor him, that's telling us that you'll be honored. I'll be honored to be able to even be in heaven because heaven's not a right. It's an honor. Next verse is, now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Now, those of us who have read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we also know that that was right before the cross, that Jesus actually did have this soul issue. He had gone into the garden and he was in there praying and he, he was saying, Lord, if at any, any, at all possible, please take this cup from me. That was the soul. But then he said, no, not my will, not my soulish wants, but your will be done. And so, yeah, well, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. In fact, he did wrestle with that. But he also realized, no, you know what? It's for this very purpose that I have come to this hour. It's for this purpose. So, some questions. Next verse is, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Isn't that amazing? God the Father spoke from heaven and said, I have both glorified it. That's very important because the things that took place in the book of Exodus in Egypt, when God delivered his people after the ten, play, after the ten plagues, which ten is always a test in scripture. After the time of testing for his people against Egypt and the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh, which this is a symbol of bondage, Egypt is. 
all of those plagues to remove his people from trouble, from bondage, from slavery, it was all to glorify his name. He said, I've done it. Don't you remember I did it in Egypt? I delivered my people once. And he says, right now, I'm about to do it again through my son. That is powerful. That is powerful right there. So the questions asked earlier about making history with God are now being answered right here. These are the questions. Passover began with deliverance, which led to God's name being glorified. And here we see it again about to happen through his son. So now that you and I, we can read the history, the story, his story, the stories of God in the word, in the written word. We can go through and read and sift through looking at the statutes and the testimonies of what God has done. And we can now take that wisdom and we can say, because you have done it before and you will do it again, I can apply those same truths that what you did for your people, because I'm your people, God, you can apply, I can apply it to this situation right here because I have faith in the testimonies of God that he is a deliverer for his people. So right here in the midst of COVID-19, I can stand firm. You can stand firm knowing that the blood of Jesus washes over me and I don't have to fear over anything. I don't have to have any doubts because my God, who is the deliverer, will glorify his name through this. And in fact, there are probably some things behind the scenes that God is doing right now and preparing you and I, his people, to do a miraculous work, to have another season of deliverance. And that's what I've been talking about earlier in this message. It's powerful. I, I want to see amens all over that, the comments section and hallelujahs and, and some praise spins over in your, in your couch or, or on your living room. Come on, drop that biscuit. Don't, don't put your coffee down. Don't burn yourself. But get excited about something. Come on. And it says, therefore, therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. In verse 30 says, Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me. He's like, I know my father's testimonies. I don't need to hear that. It came for your sake. You haven't heard my father's voice. Apparently you have forgotten his testimonies, which time and time again, this is, God, this is Jesus talking to the people that were around him saying, apparently you've forgotten about the testimonies of what my father has done. So let him talk to you. Let him talk to you in your prayer closet and your time with the Lord and time in the morning when you, when you just need some peace and some rest. Let him talk to you. And he's not doing it for Jesus' sake. He's doing it for your sake. And though Jesus was God, he laid down his deity to walk on this earth that you and I are both walking on. To model what a spirit empowered life through man can actually look like. And he did it carrying his burdens, depending on his relationship with the father empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is a wonderful example that you and I have been able to have. That is a wonderful example full of testimonies that you and I are able to apply not only to this current situation, but any and every current situation that you will ever go through. And then next in verse 31, it says, Now is the judgment 
of this world. Isn't that interesting? Because in Exodus, he said he was going to bring judgment through that last plague. And Jesus is about to go to the cross. And Jesus is saying, right now, not in our day, not in 2020. In Jesus' day is when the judgment of this world would actually take place. And now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This is a groundbreaking moment right here. This is one that some people stumble over and they still think that there is judgment from God that may be taking place right now, that the ruler of this world is still roaming about. This is past tense. God has already judged this world. The ruler has already been cast down. Let me show it to you. If you have time, go check out last Easter, last Passover 2019, the message that I gave. I'll break it all down right there. Not enough time today. You'll be thankful for me because you want to get off that couch before too long. Jesus says right here that the world has been judged now in his day. The question is, has Jesus been lifted up? Yes, he has. The question, the other question is, is Satan defeated or is he still the ruler of this world? Has he been cast out? Was Jesus lifted up? Then he said, signifying by what death he would die. That's what he was talking about, that if he be lifted up, what he was saying is, I'm about to go to the cross and I'm going to go to the cross for you. But meanwhile, on that powerful weekend, there's going to be some things that happen. And to you, it's going to be a short weekend. But in the spiritual realm, there's going to be a lot of things taking place. World's going to get judged. Satan's going to lose his power. And I'm coming back. And then number four, why Passover? What is, what is the death that Jesus was talking about that brings us to why Passover? In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Remember, it's the feast. The Passover would bring in the feast of unleavened bread. So the Passover takes place. Now you would have to, by the law, by in the Old Testament, you would have to remove, remove all of the leaven in your house. There could be no leaven left in anyone's house. And in fact, if anyone was caught with leaven anywhere in their house, they would be cut off from Israel completely. That's... That's really strong. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. What he's saying is be intentional on getting rid of the sin that is in your life because leaven is a picture of sin. You are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed. There's the death that he would die right there. Was sacrificed. For you and I. You remember the lamb that we were talking about in Exodus 12? There it is. Christ, our Passover lamb, was killed, sacrificed for you and I. That same weekend, that same week, that same time frame. From Exodus to the time Jesus went to the cross to this week right here that you and I are alive. And then Colossians 2.15 2, says this. Having disarmed principalities, 
past tense, having disarmed, past tense, principalities and powers. He, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The world has been judged. You have been declared righteous. The ruler of this, of this world has been cast down. He has no power because he has been disarmed. He has, he has all principalities have been disarmed and his powers. That means Jesus took back the authority, took back the power that Adam and Eve gave Satan in the garden. He, Jesus has now taken that back, triumphing over them in it. Deliverance from Egypt, your own deliverance, my deliverance. Now making history with God means you applying God's word and his past successes, God's word and his past successes in your life to your current and your future situation through every bad marriage problem testimony testimony God's word to every bad every difficult parenting situation there's a testimony because God is a good father and he's delivered his son and he has delivered his sons and daughters you and I testimony power to every financial difficulty, there's testimony, there's power in the blood, there's power in the word, testimony. You can apply it right now to your situation. And that's why at Thrive Community Church, we are introducing Jesus, finding freedom. We got to get people delivered. We are connecting people to purpose. Very important. Why? Because we're here to make a difference. And that's why God said for you to gird up your loins, get your running shoes on. Don't forget your staff because we got to go make a difference in this world. And the Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through eternal, the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Remember, it had to be an unblemished lamb. Without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience. How much more could he cleanse your, can he cleanse your conscience? From dead works to serve the living God. What's that? What, is that? what does that even mean? See, many of these things, many of the things that, that we end up doing in our human uh, temporal thinking, it's a lot of efforts, but in reality, it's dead works that produce nothing of the eternal and this is what God has sent his son, the spotless lamb, to be a sacrificial offering to set you and I free from a mentality of doing things from our soul, things that are unimportant, things that have no eternal value, so that we may be set free to do things that truly do have value. Now, only a spirit of man of a man yielded to God can understand these things. And there's a four-step process to even being in a place to where you're living in the Spirit, to where you're able to have the Spirit of God working through you. A four-step process to have this, so to speak, blood of the Lamb on your doorpost and on the lintel of your heart. And here it is. Number one is confess. We've got to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We have to confess. And then number two is believe. 
We have to believe. It's not just confess with my mouth. I've, then I've got to believe. I've got to believe with my whole heart that Jesus was dead for my sins. He was buried. He was raised again three days later. I got to show, I got to believe in my heart. And then I got to repent. I got to repent for all of my sins, my sins past, my mentality, my dead works, my, my efforts towards things that were not important. And even you may be struggling with that and you're a believer and you're wrestling with, man, it, are, my, are the things that I do have any eternal value? You might want to settle that with the Lord today. Because maybe you've confessed, maybe you've believed, but have you repented? And then, have you, are you obeying? Confess, believe, repent, and then obey. Obey means to follow the teachings and the ways of Jesus. Remember the Feast of Unleavened Bread where they had to get rid of all sin. And that, that's what he's saying is intentionally. From this point now, we are intentionally applying the Word of God to my life situations. So I'm intentionally getting rid of the sin, the leaven in my life so that I can Truly proclaim that I believe, I've confessed, I'm repented, and you can show, here's the fruit of my repentance right here. Because that is what proves that you and I are truly saved because now I am obeying the fruit of repentance, Scripture says. That's how you will know. And in Exodus 12, 7, they, they, it says, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and lentils. And verse 12 of Exodus 12 says, And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you. Let me, let me put it this way. And when I see the blood of Jesus on your life, and I see that you have confessed and that you believe and that you've repented and, and you truly are obeying the teachings of Jesus Christ, I will pass over you and the plague, COVID-19, shall not be on you to destroy you. I can say that wholeheartedly. Because those of us who are in Christ are no longer in love with our life no longer in love with our soulish ways and our dead works. In fact, we love them less than we do the purposes and the calling and the intentions of Christ on our lives. Therefore, eternal life is exactly what we will have. I don't care if this outer body decays. That's not who I am. I'm a man filled by the Spirit of God, and I'm led by the Spirit of God, and I am to continue on with the Spirit of God. And Revelation 3.20 says this, Behold, this is Jesus talking, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is at the door of your heart. He says, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. The Passover himself is going to come in, sit down with you, dine with you, and then you with him. And he says, to him who overcomes. Yeah, there's going to be challenges. Yeah, there's going to be hardship. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, this COVID-19 thing is difficult uh, to understand. Yeah, there's, there's things in our life that are, that are a trial. They're hard. They're, they're, they're trying. God has given us a way out and a way through in his word. And to those who are overcomers, 
I will grant to sit with me, Jesus, on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. What a beautiful promise for you and I. What a beautiful promise for the whole world. There is no elitism. This is an opportunity for the whole world to come in and to be saved and to be honored by the Father to be able to come into heaven for simple, simple, very easy steps. And God gives you the grace, the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb washes over the doorpost of your heart, changes your mind and begins to give you the grace that you need to move beyond the bondage, the old thinking, the soulish thinking, the dead works and into something that truly makes a difference, has purpose to it, and actually has eternal value. Man, just gets me fired up. And finally, Jesus tells us how we can live to bring glory. Remember, because Jesus, the Father says, I've done, I've done it, I've brought glory to my name, and I will do it again. And guess what? He will do it again. And he will do it again. And here's how. John 17, 4 says, I have glorified you on the earth. This is Jesus talking to the Father. And have finished the work which you have given me to do. So how do you and I glorify the Father? Because that's the only reason we are here. In COVID-19 season right here, God is going to glorify his name and he is always going to use his people to glorify his name. And here is the subscription, the prescription, the ingredients. Here is how it takes place to finish the work which the Father has given you to do. That's it. That's it. Once you are in Christ, you glorify the Father by finishing, but you got to find it first, and finishing the good work that God the Father has given you through Jesus Christ, the whole reason that you've been created, the whole reason that you were knit in your mother's womb right there was to finish the good work that God has created you for, Ephesians 2.10. You and I were saved not by works, but were saved unto works to do the finished work. So I want to do this right here as we close. I want to walk you through that four-step process. Maybe you've never done this. Maybe you've done part of this. But now's the time to completely commit your life to Christ. On the bottom, there's going to be an option for you to be able to say, hey, I gave my life to Christ. Please let us know. We want to reach out to you. But here's the process right here. Number one is confess. Lord, I, I confess that you are Christ. You are the Messiah. Just do it with me right there where you are. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I confess you with my mouth. And then it's believing in your heart. Lord, I believe that you died for my sins. That you are dead and buried on the cross. And that your blood washes my sins away. And that you were in a tomb and resurrected on the third day so that I may have life. And then it's repent. So, so Lord, please forgive me. I repent for my, my ways of thinking, my, my sinful ways and my sinful thoughts and my sinful uh, mannerisms. And so maybe you might even begin to proclaim some of those things to him as those, those sins 
are bubbling up in your heart and they're bubbling up in your spirit now, just release those back to Him. Lord, I, re I repent for, for going out to the bars so much. I, re I repent for looking at pornography. I repent for, for drinking too much. I repent for saying uh, all those cuss words that I've been letting loose. So I forget. I, f I, I repent. I repent for gambling. I repent for you fill in the blank. I repent for ever having anything against you, Father. I repent for speaking negatively about you, Jesus. I repent for speaking negatively about you, Holy Spirit. I repent. And then it's obey. And once you, once you receive that grace from the Holy Spirit, He empowers you to go and live out this life according to God's Word. Scripture says this, as Jesus was about to go to the cross and He was talking with His disciples, it's like He was giving them this playbook of life and this preparation pep talk. And He was inspiring them and He said this, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to leave you alone. And this is what Jesus would say to you and this is what I'm going to share with you. He's not going to leave you alone. Even though you, you may be sitting in your room alone, you think you're alone, but if you just said that prayer with me, you now have the Holy Spirit residing and resting in your heart. And He's right there with you. And He wants to take you on the most exciting journey of your life. You are not alone. You may be married and you are now the only person saved in your family. You are not alone. It is not your job to force your spouse to, to now come to Christ. It is your job to lead by example the blessings and the goodness of Christ and to be intentional on letting go of sin and the sin nature and yielding continually as that stuff bubbles up back in your heart, yielding continually back to the Father. I repent for those things. I repent. For, Father, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And that's the strongest thing a man can ever do. It's the strongest thing a woman can ever do is to yield in such a way as that. So I want to ask you one more question. Maybe you've already said these things. Maybe you've already gone through these, these, these very important process steps. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? And I want to encourage you. If you've never heard from the Holy Spirit, I just want you to right there begin to talk to Him and say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you would like to say to me right now? And if you need prayer for anything, you can put it in the comments section. Click on the link. Click in the, in the chat room. Whatever it is that you need, please fill out a connect card. Connect with us. Go to Thrive Community Church, our Facebook. Check in. Tell people uh, we, you, we, you said hello. Tell them hello. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us. Have an amazing Passover.